Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is your homeboy comedian, Henry Coleman, and you are listening to Just Your Radio Comedy The Whip Theater is located in the heart of Chicago's Edison Park neighborhood and aspires to be a one-stop shop for the locals. The Whip started on a shoestring budget and hopes to grow into a local theater the neighborhood can take pride in. Hence the name, Work in Progress Theater. Come see stand-up, improv, kids shows, plays, and much, much more as the Whip Theater promises over-the-top customer service and laugh-till-it-hurts entertainment. For tickets and information, visit thewhiptheater.com and use promo code JKOFF to receive $5 off ticket prices. The Whip Theater, your neighborhood theater. What up? Hey, this is your boy, storyteller Kenny Young, and you're listening to Q&A with my homeboy, Roddy Ray. That's my new catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Q and A, Rodney Ray. We're in the we're in the building today, my man Sean Williams in the building. Yeah. My man Pretty Tommy. <laughs> Even though the last guest told me not to call him Pretty because I'm a man and that's not right calling another man Pretty. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, but on the phone today, way out in Cali, while we're in the shot, he's from the shot. This guy does everything. No right, doubt. Writer, actor. Producer, author, director, and all around oh, well, director, all around good guy. Mount Vernon Thank Park you, graduate. Hey, Mount Vernon MVP. That is MVP. Kenny Young's in the building. Get up, yeah. Kenny Young. Yeah. Oh, I what up, y'all? What up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Sounds so yeah. lovely. Don't you agree? <laughs> what's so, up, yeah. what's going on, man? Hey, dog. I somebody. I told. I told somebody that you was on the show, and I said, man, they're like, man, how do you know him? I'm like, you know what? That's kind of a funny story. So I started explaining them, explaining to people why, how I know you. And they were like, damn, that's crazy. Because we went to the same grade school. Same grade school, Mount Vernon. That's real. In Chicago, yeah, Way, Southside. way, way back. And we didn't All know each time. other. No, not really. Mount Vernon Park. <laughs> Mount Vernon Park. But we all know all the same people. You know, we had the same principles. So it was all good. Yeah, so we didn't meet till, we didn't meet till I moved to L.A. He lived like to three LA. blocks from me. And I didn't know this guy until I moved to Los Angeles, Sean. So how did you That's get connected crazy. with each other the first time? The dude, Cordell. Cordell Pace was my first guest. <laughs> wow, C. Pace. Joker Pace, my man. <laughs> Cordell was, he moved to L.A. and he moved with um Kenny. They they okay. stayed with Kenny yeah. for a minute until he got himself together. So that's how I wound up yeah. meeting him. I'm like, you the guy such and such. And I started naming him. So he's like, man, how you know that? And I'm like, yo, we the same. We from the same breed. It's like finding a lone lost yeah, brother. Exactly. Chicago comics, man. <laughs> <laughs> we related, you know that. Like. You know, but man, so man, but, um, how was our show business treating you, man, out there, man? You've been out there for a while. How long you been out in L.A.? Uh, man, coming up on 14. 14 years. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Dang. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah, long way from uh, Town, But yeah, it's been a minute, man. It goes fast. Yeah, how it's did been it... a very interesting ride. Wow. So how did it wind up happening for you? What made you say, okay, I'm going to be in show business? 
Like, look, he saw an episode of Good Times. You like, you know what? I can write this. <laughs> How did this well, man, start? I kind of started. Uh, kind of started as a kid. You know, always loving stories, man. You know, was writing little stories and things as a kid. And then as a little fellow, I started doing uh, puppet shows, man. Puppet shows. Like I would collect puppets and do puppet shows for my cousins and stuff. And then people started hiring me out to come around and do little puppet shows for their, you know, kids' uh, parties. And my mom would drive me around. And uh, she was like my first manager, the first person like, you know, keep the majority of the money. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> this is your uh, cut, boy. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Take yeah, this quarter and sit your ass in there. A cat saw me and asked me to come audition for it. Uh, a play, and I was still in elementary school at the time. At the time, and then you know, just the acting bug sort of bit me, and I just kept doing it from there. Wow! And uh, yeah, and then Columbia, I went to Colum- I went away to Eastern for a while. I came back, went to Columbia. And I was a theater major, and a lot of the the guys from the film department would come to the theater department to recruit guys, uh, you know, for their films, for their short films and right. things. So that's how I made the transition from theater to film. Wow. Then I hooked up with my man Carl Seaton. Carl Seaton, he's in Atlanta right now doing the TV One movie. Congrats, Carl. He's in Atlanta. Exactly. He's in Atlanta right now directing movies for TV One. Mm -hmm. And Carl Seaton's my frat brother. Kept out of a side, known Carl Seaton for a long time. He had come to Columbia, and then we started collaborating and writing films and things together, writing scripts. Wow. And then we linked up with our man Phil James, (laughs) and we said, man, let's pull our resources together and shoot. We we had shot shorts for a while, then we said, man, let's pull our resources together and shoot a feature film. Right. So we begged, borrowed, and stole every dollar we could, and then we shot um, our first feature film, a film called One Week. That one was Week, shot in Chicago. The the epic One yeah. Week, dog. People love that film, man. It's a cult oh, classic. Oh, well, thank you, brother. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's still hanging there. People still reach out to me and uh, stop me and talk about it. So that's a, you know, that's always the greatest compliment, man. So that was, and that was a labor of love. So that that wow. makes it even sweeter. Wow. For, for for those who didn't see it, because um, I told Sean that's here. Uh, that you were on the show he's like I'm gonna go try to find one of his movies and he couldn't find he saw like come on man for like 15 minutes oh okay right <laughs> he said, this dude's a genius after 15 minutes. I just wanted a taste of it you know <laughs> <laughs> but can you let him know what one week was about cause that's probably like the deepest film to me okay yeah one, one week um, one week is a story about a guy who finds out one week before his wedding that he might have contracted HIV Ooh. so he has to take a test and wait one week for the results and we just kind of chronicle how his life kind of falls apart during that week. So there was a lot of comedy in there. I'm like, when we wrote the first draft, it was strictly comedy. Yeah. Wow. And then we did it kind of backwards. <laughs> we, yeah. We, we did. We wrote like a comedy first. Then we went and researched. And once we researched, we saw, you know, it's kind of serious matter. So right. yeah. the film kind of transitions from being funny to being very serious. It, it was it was a dramedy, definitely. Because when you said comedy, I started laughing. At the scene that's in the film, I, I'm not gonna give nothing away by saying this. And when you uh, was at work and you were pleading for, to keep your job, and you gave that monologue about the Cosby Show, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> and he still wanted to fire your ass. Anyway. <laughs> 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 Man, he fucking fired me. It's just like that. That's just funny. That sounds dope, though. That's life, though. You, know? you got a little bit of everything right in life. You know, it's a roller coaster. So, wow. Oh, so that movie, Thank you, you for that. You went straight to the dark. You guys went, that's a touchy subject. All your, your projects like that? Are you ever going to do like a Disney film or something? <laughs> Bambi gets AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm a fan of your work. So I look at your work like, Kenny kind of dark right there. He kind of dark, but you know, each his own, you know? Could you ever do oh, that? Yeah, you, just, yeah. you just trying to get away from the puppet um, stereotype. The puppet yeah, trying to get away from the puppet shows. You know what I'm saying? I had to redeem myself. I got some dogs. You know, I don't to... know about this. 
I had to get some street credibility after the puppet. Okay, you know cool, saying? cool, cool, cool. Nah, that's dope, man. But nah, hey, man, hey, proud of you, man. Good friend. Oh, hey, hey, proud of you as well, man. Hey, man, Ronnie Ray, you know you got to shout yourself out too, man. This man has been a huge inspiration. And for my film, come on, man, he was my technical advisor. He's the guy I walked around and really kind of hit me to what stand-up comedy was all about, man. So Ronnie Ray's guy that's always inspiring, always moving forward. That's why it's such an honor to be on the show today. Oh, man, look at that. Dropping the tear again. I had Milana on the show last time, and she almost oh, okay, had me right. crying too. Like we, and I won't do anything for you because you just so. Cool. I'm like, oh my god, stop! <laughs> 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 Thank you, but damn, stop it, please. Uh, a lot of love great. on the Ronnie Ray show. The, the movie, come on, man. I'm, I don't want. I wanted to go in order of your films, but you said, come on, man. So we gonna go with that. Um, okay. Where did that idea come from? Because he was he was trying to figure out what was going to happen. I almost spilled yeah. what was going to happen at the end, but I'm not. Because you only saw 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back and watch them. Okay, okay right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't need to see it then. You're going to tell me the end. But no, man, what's, what was right. that? Where did that idea come about a stand-up comic who's hooked? Where did that idea come from? Uh, well, well, initially it came from sort of wanting to do, we had an idea to do a mockumentary. Like, you know, like a, a fake documentary we were following a fictional guy around like it's real. And I'm like, what's, what would be a fascinating character to follow? And just from knowing brothers like Ronnie Ray and other guys who I always felt the kind of stand-up comedy, man, was like the hardest. Like, I've been doing entertainment, you know, since I was a kid. But stand-up comedy is something about it that, is, to me, seems to be the hardest of them all. To stand up in front of people and say, hey, I'm going to make you laugh. Right. You know, especially from the black audience. Very bold. That's, just, that's a rough job. Yeah. So I said, man, I would like to, and it's a story of redemption about a guy who, you know, moved out, moved from Chicago to L.A. to be a stand-up comic, blows up, and then everything that comes with that kind of brings him down, the drugs, the alcohol, the women. And then he ends up going to rehab, and his career crashes and burns. But the movie starts when he's getting out of rehab to rebuild his career. Wow. And I just thought following a stand-up comic, that'd be, you know, just an amazing journey to follow. And it could be funny. So we could, we like to have the, you know, the kind of balance between comedy and drama. Cause there's a very thin line between the two. So we like to kind of balance between the two with our films. And that just seems so appropriate to do. And it was a, a huge learning experience for myself, too. Oh, um, actually, I'm going to have to bring this up. You, know, you already put it out there for the world to see um, on your Facebook page. You did a movie about stand up, and when you were following me around, I'm like, You gonna have to perform, bro. You're like, Nah, I ain't performing. Man. <laughs> it's gonna be like the game. They ain't gonna never see me perform. I'm just gonna be, gonna be getting off, I'll be walking up to the stage, and I'm gonna go dark and then get off the stage. I'm like, Nah, you gotta get up and experience it. So one day, <laughs> I'm on Facebook, my boy, like, Yo, Kenny Young, shout out you out on the thing, but he ain't tag you. It was a story about you actually going to perform stand up. Would you please break yeah, that down? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rodney Ray had been busting my ball. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say? You ball? can say anything you want to. Ball oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, fuck that. Well, there you go, right Ronnie there. There you Ray. go. That <laughs> Mount Vernon coming out of you, son. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Ray kept telling me, "Man, you got to go up and do stand up. You got to go up and do stand." And to be honest, I was just terrified to do it. I was just terrified to do it. So I didn't tell him, but I said one night I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna do. Uh, go up and just do an open mic and give a fake name and just go up and, and do a couple minutes. <laughs> so I wrote some material that I personally thought was hilarious while I was writing it. It's and always I went funny to when you're open writing. mic one day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, when you're in the mirror, you're cracking yourself up. <laughs> so, you know, I went down to the uh, a comedy show, uh, a comedy spot where they were having an open mic. Right. I gave them a fake name. And, man, when they called that fake name for me to come to stage, man, I've been, like I said, I've been doing theater a long time. My legs were jelly. <laughs> and I got up there, 
and just started telling my jokes, man. It's just funny. It's like it just I wasn't getting the laughter from the audience that I was getting from myself when I was practicing. <laughs> of course not. Yes. So I was just basically I was up there just bombing, which turned out to be the best experience I could have had because then I really got to feel like the ups and downs being well, mostly the downs right. of being the stand up comic. You know, it just and you know, when you're writing something and you're trying to write from that perspective, it really does help to have some type of experience. And that really did kind of empower me in writing the script. Oh, wow. So, again, shout out to Ronnie Ray. Thank Sorry you, sir. Thank you, man. tell you about it, brother. I was just, I didn't want you to be ashamed of me. I went up there and bombed, which I did. <laughs> I guess it worked out. Well, you know, I like seeing people bomb. I'm like, all right, they, what they going to do after this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's going to make you stronger yeah. regardless of what. You're going through the pain. And you, you got no way. If you hit the bottom, you hit the bottom. You ain't got no choice but to go up from there, man. So I've yeah, been that's there. real. You're man. not true unless you get one. So yeah, it's like, not okay. the end of the world anyway. So. <laughs> you you have like, another chance. There you go. Like when your dad puts you out and make you fight the, the boy you know you can't beat. That's the way you know you can't beat. <laughs> that's Odell Smith. I can't fight Odell Smith. Man. <laughs> he three years younger than you, Dad. I can't beat him. <laughs> He Odell's said, Dad, you couldn't beat him. Thank you, man. Crazy. Odell. <laughs> Odell's. Was that Odell. your Debo you were talking about? No. Oh. Man, man, look. I don't even know if I should mention him because I was, we were talking, we were oh, saying what yeah. we were saying. And I was like, oh, that's Big Moose. I didn't want to say his name, but I just said it now. Like, that was a <laughs> death, we can edit that out. Big, Smoo- no, Big, Moose, is, Big Moose is dead. And I'm scared to Rest say his name right Big now. Moose, man. Like, that's how threatening Big Moose was. That's real. Really? Right. Wow. No, without a question, he was definitely a legend in our neighborhood. Oh man. <laughs> Did he ever hit you up, Kenny? Did he ever? No, I was too young, man. I was okay. too little. Thank God, no. But I used to see him walk down the street, you know. He was, and then he was a kid. It just becomes legendary, you know. He was strong as the Hulk. Man, he home. was. He went to jail. He stayed like half his life in jail. <laughs> Like <laughs> Zeus. No, he was like the Debo. And I saw Friday and Debo came. I was like, that's Moose. Yeah. They got that character from Moose. This dude, I was just telling him I saw him beat up his baby mama. Like, he suplexed her like some wrestling shit. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> he beat up the junior football team. Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> he beat up the whole team. He beat up he football team. team. He beat up three Julian's cops. football team? Yeah. He was like, check out. Yeah, he was they were like the champs man. that year. He still <laughs> fucked them up. Yeah, Julian used to jump Morgan Park jumps, man. <laughs> Big Moose handled them by himself. <laughs> the coach said, "Stop it!" I just found this out though. Okay, he said the coach said, "Stop it!" And he went on and slapped the coach. I'm like, "Damn, you gonna slap the coach?" <laughs> you get it too. <laughs> oh, he's wild. But yeah, yeah okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about writing a uh, short film, <laughs> the Moose hey, story. You should, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man. It's a big move. And you never actually see moves. It's just a big shadow that come over everybody. That'd be dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what's that movie right. that's out now? With the um, the movie with the camera in front of everybody? Hardcore, Harry, or what the hell that's out? It's like, um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like that. But in the hood. Okay. <laughs> I love it. In the hood. But no, that's cool, man. Growing up in, how was your upbringing, though? Coming up and seeing big moves, I, I'm quite sure you didn't see them every day. Because <laughs> if oh, you no, did, you'd no, be no. scared for your life. But no, how, oh, yeah, I didn't see him every day. How was your upbringing, though? How, how was that? Your mom and dad. Man, mom? upbringing was was fantastic, man. You know, grow my mom, my dad, both my parents. I uh, just lost my dad two years ago, oh, man, but he had been like the greatest father figure in my life. You know, I always had both the parents in the house, and grew up in the neighborhood where just we had families. We had black families that were together and supportive. Mm-hmm. And my parents always supported me, man. That's one thing I can say. I meet a lot of people that say they didn't get that support. And I can honestly say it was the exact opposite for me. My parents always wanted me to pursue 
whatever made me happy. That's so that kind of encouraged me to move forward and, you know, be encouraged and supported everything I did. And I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today without not just my parents, my family, my friends, just having that strong support base, man. Wow. Cool, man. Yeah. Question for you, personal. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. But have you ever had like a job job? <laughs> not not saying this is not a job. I've known him for like right. 13, 14 yeah. years. And I'm like. Like cashier or no, something. No, he, he got the money from his movie, so he survived. Right. And right, like did you ever have to like go to Walmart for like a month or something just to make some money or something? Or well, man, day yeah, labor? man. Before, before moving to L.A., I had many, many jobs. You know, and me and Carl Seaton, mm-hmm. we had about seven jobs together. Wow. Because we would – we would work strictly to raise money for our, our short films. Dope. So we would go, we worked at the post office, we worked at UPS, we worked on a, at Blockbuster, we were substitute teachers, we were uh, wow. summer uh, counselors, we taught theater. Uh, man, we had about five, we were painters. I mean, we had all any awesome. type of job. We would go in and tell them we want to get hired together, what our goal was, and people would hire us, man. Wow. You know, people would hire us. We would. <laughs> We ain't going to be here that like, long. Like, you know we ain't going to be here that long. <laughs> yeah, we were telling them. We're like, we're here to raise money, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this. And, and you'd be amazed, man, when you're honest with people and you speak about what you want. The universe provides for you, man. It That's really real. does. So, yeah. yeah. Dropping we jewels. Had a gang. So, yeah, I've had many jobs. And, but I told myself, you know, once I move, I was going to make my living strictly as a storyteller. And that's not easy. You know, sometimes it's up and it's down. Right. But you do have to kind of set goals for yourself and stick to it. So, right. Yeah. I've been... Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that I've been able to do that. But working on those other jobs and stuff, you know, taught me a lot about work ethic, being humble. You got to yeah. be humble. Got to stay humble. Wow. And this industry keeps, you know, makes you humble if you ain't, so. Right. Oh, yeah, you definitely get humble. Like when you did stand-up that day. That's when you oh, yeah. get humble. That's when it's really humble. And like, <laughs> that okay. was the ultimate. Yeah. yeah, that was the ultimate humility. You're right. You're wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm learning stuff about you. I didn't even know. I'm glad we did this. I'm like, okay. We're not done yet. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm going to stop now and think about it. Like, dang, you went through what? Like, okay. <laughs> Do I know you? No this, this Kenny Young from... <laughs> no clue. But no, that's dope, man. Um, yeah, that's cool to have cool parents, man. Um, oh, man. That. Tremendous. I have that, too. And I'm like, it's hard for me to believe that they still, like, yeah, you... I'm waiting for them to break down. Like, okay, you ain't made it yet. Nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> I want to keep coming to your shows, but you're going to need to learn how to cut hair or something. Like <laughs> Fix cars. The, the Hollywood grind, though, man. That, that's got to be – that That was something, man. How, how do you deal with that? Because I would love to know how other people deal with it. Because I, I told somebody, they was asking me, like, when when you going back to L.A.? I'm like, man, I can't go back there until – I'm able to buy my own house, like off the top, and money has to be constantly flowing. Wow. I don't want to struggle no more, man. I don't want to struggle. That struggle is something else. I, yeah, I just... it, it is. It is. It is. It's, I mean, you know, but the, the the struggle itself is relative. I think first off, first off, you have to love what you do. Yes, you have to love it because a lot of people move to LA. They want to be movie stars, right? But they don't necessarily want to be actors. I just want to go out there and blow up and everything else and. Most people don't come out here and blow up right away. No. You, know, you have to really, you have to come out here. It's like a pledge process. you got to come out here and really go through it. Right. And that tests how much you really want it. If you want it enough, you're going to love it. Or like people say, Man, I want to be an actor. I was like, if you really want to act, you can do theater. You can do that wherever you are. Everyone, so you have to ask your, you know, you have to ask yourself what you want. And more importantly, you have to ask yourself why you want it. Because the why is going to motivate what it takes to get to the what. That is 
You dropping knowledge. Yeah, they be dropping dimes. Man. Dog. Whenever you feeling down, call Kenny Young. 323. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should be taking notes right now. This is dope. No, he be dropping them dimes. No, but Cordell was like, man, that's our positive friend right there. Whenever you feeling down, you call oh, Kenny Young. Oh, right on, brother. Where does that come from? <laughs> like, what, what inspires you and keeps you uh, keeps your head on straight? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I sorry. <laughs> yeah, what, what's in, what inspires you and keeps your head on straight? What inspires me? Man, you know, like I said, my family, my friends, uh, and for me also, man, just a true love of storytelling. Like, I consider myself, you know, I, I write, I act, I direct, but I consider all that storytelling. And ever since I was a little boy, that's been the thing that just always connected with me the most, just storytelling, just the love of storytelling, seeing the necessity for, and we come from a storytelling culture, not just as black people, I mean, especially as black people, but just as people in general. We come from a storytelling culture. Oh, yeah. And there's no other better way to, you know, convey ideas and themes and dreams and goals through story. And our history. You know, you can inspire and educate and entertain. So that really motivates me because I feel what I'm doing has a purpose and has a meaning. So that kind of gives me energy every day. Nice. Through yeah. the bullshit, you know, even through the bullshit. If you feel like what you're doing is worth it, you'll be willing to endure whatever comes your way and and whatever comes your way is only making you stronger because i try not to look at them as problems i look at them as obstacles there you go you know or le- lessons even better lessons things they're just teaching you little things you know so it's not a struggle it's a journey there it is you know i mean hey man it's what you make it <laughs> it's what you make it, every man. day it's what every you make day it. every day it's what you make it that's the truth man Damn. that is the absolute truth you gotta care about it man somebody asked me how i keep going i'm like man i i don't first of all I don't know nothing else. <laughs> I don't want to know nothing else. So if I go to your job, I'm not going to be happy being there. Um, so right. I'm probably be in the corner writing a joke down or something, and <laughs> you're going to fire me. So I know our future, so it's not going to work. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and, and um, not work here. That's how I feel Man, about you that. Know, that's, that's, a, that's a great point, Ronnie Ray. And you and I actually have had this conversation a few times. But like, I had a buddy actually call me a couple weeks ago. And his son wants to be an actor, and he he wanted me to talk to him and tell his son that he should that it's cool to be an actor, but he should have something to fall back on. Right. And I had know. to tell him, I said, "Man, bro, I don't believe in that. Right. <laughs> I don't believe in having something to yeah, I don't believe in having something to fall back on. You know, because yeah. it's like Walt, like the guy who was the I, I forget. I saw him on biography. The guy that was a tightrope walker, and he was like the greatest. He did eventually die falling off the tightrope. He, like, <laughs> he better. Have. He got hit by a car. I mean, checked up. <laughs> Okay. But he was like, you know, he was like in his 80s and 90s when he finally fell off. So he had had a whole lifetime of doing it. And he said he got so good because he didn't train with a safety net. Because if you give yourself a safety net, you're not going to go 100% across that line. Right. So, you know, you can't give yourself something to fall back on. Planning for failure is planning to fail. I really believe that. Wow. So if you got something, that's what you want, you got to go 100% at it. Oh, I'm going to add. And give yourself no options. Right. No options, no turning around. Yeah. Huh? I wish I had like a sound effect thing, like poof, we jewels or something, right? Oh, something. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm digging this, man. All right, okay. All oh, right. man, right on. That's cool, man. No, but you out there, and it, it, can, it can kill you out there. If, you don't, if you're not strong enough, um, you'll definitely go crazy. And the stories you hear about celebrities going crazy, I see why. You know what I mean? Like that, it's a yeah, struggle yeah, trying to get it. Then we, you get there, and then it comes so fast. And if you're not ready for it, it's gonna eat you alive. So, um, yeah, they say getting it is easier than keeping it. I, I believe that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, everybody's gonna get their shot. It's what you do with it. Everybody's yeah. gonna get a shot. If somebody asks me, like, um, 
I, I was telling you, I think me and you were talking one time, and I said, I said you have to make sure you know exactly what you want in this game. Because before yes, I got to, before I got to Hollywood, I said, okay, this is what's going to happen. Before I start acting, I'm like, I'm going to do a movie with Paramount Pictures. I'm going um, to do, do something with John Landis, because I'll be the director for Coming to America and Animal House. Um, I'm going to meet the girl from... Uh, <laughs> Meet the girl from the lounging video, LL Cool J. <laughs> I said this. I said this. I said this. And um, That's a dream. I'm going to be on a TV series. Okay. What was the first one I said? Oh, Paramount Pictures. The first movie and audition I ever had was Say the Last Dance. I wasn't a star, but I was it. in it. I was in it. Um, yeah, you were in it. We shot um, a, 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 a comedy sketch, and John Landis did everybody's stuff. I had one wow. line in the sketch. But it actually won, but I was in it. And That's he complimented great. me while I was, I was had one line. <laughs> but he did it. Wow. The, the That's girl amazing. from the girl from LL Cool J video, I did a show. It was a charity event. It was for her. Wow. I think it was for like cancer or something. And it was about her. Wow. I didn't even know it was about her. You know wow. what I mean? She was there. She kissed me on the cheek after I was done. Wow. And the TV series, I was on Playboy TV. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the TV on Canoka Park. Oh, you're Kanoka the Park. security guard. I yeah. love that show. <laughs> <laughs> the Canoka Park show. But I didn't. I got what I wanted. I got what I wanted, but I didn't get exactly what I wanted. Right. I wanted to be bigger than that. But the guy was like, "Okay, here you go. Yeah. I give you what you want, but you didn't say exactly how you want it. So make sure you know. You exactly do have to be specific. Want. Yeah, yeah. You will get what you ask for, but you got to be. You got to ask specifically. That's yes. very true. Crazy man. Um, one thing. Yeah, when we were talking in the car, me and Sean over here, we were talking in the car. He said, um, "The movie Red Rum." How did that idea oh. come about, and you know, how was that experience? Oh uh, wow! Um, well, this was after this was the second film we did after one week, and it had been a couple years, mm. and just wanted to do something really different, man. And I had always been a big fan of dark comedies, but I'd never seen really a black dark comedy, right? You know, I just never seen that. So he's like, what if we uh, do something really wild? Now, initially, the first uh, concept for Red Rum, it was supposed to be about a, a sellout couple, a sellout black couple that always hung around white people and everything right. and just like kind of denied their own blackness. Didn't realize that the white people never really supported them. So then they, they go about killing all the white people that ever, you know, turn their backs on them and they end up getting killed by some black carjackers at the end. It was just really out there. Right. Wow. So we said, you know, let's keep that concept let's change it around and like, let's make it a morality tale. Like about what's like questioning what's right and wrong, which is, which is a big thing even today in politics and all this stuff about what's right, what's wrong. So it's just about this couple right. who's trying to spice up their relationship and realizes that, uh, the way they can do it is going around and killing all the people who've caused them a lot of pain, the people who they just thought were assholes in general. Wow. So it was out there. We thought it was really ambitious. <laughs> it was. But then it was really hard to try to sell it after that. Mm. But we were fortunate. We had a great cast, including Ronnie Ray himself. Ronnie yeah, Ray was definitely like, in Red Rum. Yeah, uh, we had Jill Marie Jones, Jennifer Lewis, Joe Torrey, Chris Spencer. We had uh, And yourself, right? Oh, uh, God. Ronnie Perry, my man. He, he's been killing it. Um, yeah, we had a great cast, a lot of cameos, and we had a great time making it, man. And that was another. Every film we ever made, we we always say we will them through. Because when we sat down and said we were going to make Red Rum, we had maybe $20. Yeah. And to start, just like you said, just yeah. like you said, Ronnie Ray, so I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and you envision it. You start envisioning things coming and telling people, and the money just started coming in. Wow. And we were able to make the film the way we want. Yeah, so 
that's another one that people sometimes stop me, you know, to talk about. So that, you know, that was a, a great experience, a lot of fun, and I learned a lot. And that was my directorial debut, directing the film. How did you get into that? Because you was acting in front of the camera for a while. So it was like, how, what was like, oh, you know what? I feel like directing this. You know what I mean? Because I thought you and Carl, not, not nothing against him because he's doing his thing right now. But I'm like, as y'all friend and knowing y'all business, I'm like, okay, so what happened with the car? Like, well, you know, I feel like doing this. So what made you say, you know what, I got this, don't trip, or how did that work? Well, well you know, me and Carl, we've been working together so long, and we just, to be able to maintain a, a good working relationship and a good friendship, you got to give yourself room and freedom. Right, You know, okay. to kind of grow and do your things. Okay. So at Rum, it was just one that just naturally felt like this could be the one I could handle. And I was a little intimidating. Carl gave me a lot of coaching on it. I was oh, intimidated great. to make that transition from, acting to directing but it's again it's all storytelling you know and as a director your biggest job is to communicate and motivate you know keep everybody inspired and to communicate the vision and surround yourself with good people that are going to help enhance it you know because nice. a lot of people you'll, you'll never know a pa anybody will come with a great idea right so surround yourself and make a, a working environment that's open and free and people can feel comfortable and just you know it can be a lot of fun man so wow. it was it was a great experience a lot of it was scary for me because you know a lot of things I didn't know, and I didn't try to front and act like I did know. Right. <clears throat> just stayed humble once again, just stayed humble, and the process just came together. And then I kind of fell in love with it. You know, directing is another aspect of storytelling that's very fulfilling for me. Wow. Okay, man. All right. This is Q&A with Ronnie Ray. Um, Ronnie Ray, Sean Williams, it's Kenny going Young. On. We're talking to him, man. Uh, all right, all right. Directing everything, man. So now you can't stop. You're directing everything for yourself. <laughs> like, uh, well, no, you know, not everything. Like, uh, actually, our our latest film is an animated feature film, okay, called Doggy Dog. That I wrote it, mm-hmm. and I had intended on on directing it, but then as we when we signed an animator, I realized, man, directing animation was a totally different beast. Oh wow! So I kind of stepped back as a director, and my company, my partner, not Bill James, right. was producing Makes it for fun. our company, James Young Entertainment. And right. I wrote the script, but uh, we got another another brother named Kenny Roy. Mm-hmm. That's actually directing it. Cool, Kenny. and that's about a, a <laughs> not Kenny Cool. Yeah, right? two Kenny, two Kenny. No, no, no. Oh, Kenny, cool. Kenny Cool, no, Jay Z, no, no, Kenny, okay. Kenny Roy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a guy named Kenny Roy. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, and that one's that's a kind of a it's a series, a feature length animated 3D animation, and it's about a a peaceful pit bull puppy who's taken from his family and raised in the world of dog fighting. He tries oh, to hold snap. on to his virtues and everything. So yeah, we're doing something really different with this one, and this might be the most fulfilling one I've ever done, man. I mean, for me, this is like a real dream project come true because the, the concept came from years ago. I was in Atlanta visiting a friend, right? And she took me to somebody's house to buy some herb. So we were over there, <laughs> and, uh, hey, man, they got to everybody you smoke weed. <laughs> Tell people you smoke so, a doobie. Yeah, I, I just got closer to yeah. Kenny on that one. I don't know <laughs> about you. So we get over there, and then he has like a bunch of dogs, you know, a bunch of pit bulls. Right. <clears throat> and I'm not a huge dog lover, but this one dog in particular, man, I just bonded with him. You know, we're just playing. I'm letting him lick my face and everything. I'm like, okay. man, okay. this dog just cool with me. <laughs> we were playing, and when we were, when we were leaving, I was like, wow, you know, that's a great dog right there. He was like, yeah, he's got his first fight tomorrow to the death. Oh I'm shit! Like, Damn, that friendly dog. I'm just playing with, looking me on the face, having fun. That dog is a fight to his death tomorrow, and that just really fucked with me, you know. And I didn't. I'm ashamed to say I didn't do it. I didn't intervene or do anything, and we left. And I'm sure the next day the dog either killed or got killed. Oh, man, but that just right. kept sticking with me. And I said, man, I would like somebody 
to tell that story or that dog story. You know, somebody tell their story, but not from the perspective like the like we call the super white man movies, where it's a movie about South Africa told through the eyes of a sympathetic white man. You know, we didn't want to do that. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't want it to be told through the eyes of a sympathetic human. So in this movie, the humans you can't even understand what they're saying, and you never even see their faces. Whoa! You know, oh, it's like dope. it's all about the dogs and their world. Like Muppet Babies. Not like Muppet Babies and Tom and Jerry. Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Thomas. Not as racist. <laughs> not as racist. Thomas. Not, yeah, Tom? not as racist. Definitely yeah. that. So are they going to yeah. talk like? Uh, coming together. Huh? I'm sorry. Are the people going to talk like the the teacher and Charlie Brown? Or, but you know what? That's the right concept. They won't necessarily sound like that, but it will be that muffled thing. You okay. can't understand what they're saying. You know, it will be that. So, wow. yeah, and it's been amazing. We've been working on this one for like a year and a half, and it's going to be completely done next month. Oh wow! Look so, at that. We're looking at that. We're looking at this. Yo, probably yeah, when the interview yeah, comes out. <laughs> Probably when the interview comes out when you Oh, that'd be right on time. Yeah. Hey, well, dog eat dog. You know, coming soon. See it in near you. Dog eat dog. Dog so. eat dog. See, you know, you know what though, man? It's um it's a good thing you smoke weed because you would never have that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you more compassionate, man. That's true. You never it, knew it really the does. first time you smoked the joint, like, you know what, this is gonna benefit me one day. You know what I'm oh, saying? Man. It really does breed creativity, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is right there. Uh, oh doggy dog. Uh, who, who got some celebrity voices in that or how does that work? Or you just got on record. No uh, Michael you know, That's what the thing, because we're we're doing it independently. We put some really good actors on it. And it depends. I mean, if it looks like uh, we can get some celebrity voices on it, uh, mm-hmm. we definitely would like to do that, you know. But the big thing is we're getting, like, animal rights groups and things behind us because it's ultimately an anti-dog fight movie. Oh, Peter would be and all over that. it helps us to sell it because, yeah, it has a cause behind it. So we're mm-hmm. trying to build that momentum and build the cause behind it, kind of push the film through. So, I mean, I could see it ultimately getting celebrity voices. I'm very happy with the voices we have on there now. Right. But anything that's going to help it get bigger, you know, we're down for. Oh, that's dope. Okay, man. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so that's um. You, you did a. We were talking about this too. He, we, um, Sean was saying he really wanted to see the um the documentary you did about the the projects in Chicago. Oh wow, yeah. Look, it's titled uh, "They Don't Give a Damn." Yeah. I was actually for hire on that. There's a, a sister. She's a professor actually out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote a book called "Where Will They Go?" and it was about the whole transformation of Chicago when they decided to tear the projects down and you know um put bigger nicer you know buildings in their place and what they did with the people that they scattered them all around so that i was for hire on that one that was the first time well two things the first time i directed something that wasn't like my idea and mm-hmm. two it was the first time that i had done a documentary which was just really different you know because with a script you know exactly what you're shooting right but at least my experience with shooting this documentary you shoot a lot of stuff then you try to put it together it's almost like if you get one of those thousand piece puzzles mm-hmm and you have all the pieces, but you don't have a model of what it's supposed to look like. Wow. You just have to kind of discover what it what is going to be as you go. Right. Okay. As you put it together. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was that was a lot of work, but it was it was heartbreaking in a lot of ways. It was, and then another thing we tied into is how that tearing the project down was a factor in the whole Chirac and how all the crime in Chicago. I don't think that's not the only reason, but that's that, definitely that, a factor. I, I, when I, you let me check it out. Last name was in Chicago, and I was like, man, so true. Because a lot of those yeah. people live, I live, you know, I moved back to help my grandmother out. So I'm back in a neighborhood that we grew up in, and I can tell the difference. A lot of those houses, Section 8, and, you know, no, don't disrespect to them, but they come through with the mentality right. or they from a different gang. And we got stuff around that area that's probably opposite where they're from. 
And that's where the chaos mm-hmm. kicks off. So it's like, yo, that's exactly what happened. And yeah, I hope we all just live together then. But yeah. until that till that comes around, man, ain't no way this gonna be crazy until that happens. So but no, that, Yeah, that, yeah, it was yeah, it was a, it was an amazing journey kind of you know, filming that and it was heartbreaking. And we around went around and just got a lot of different stories. people told us their stories, man, and it was uh so we're like in the process of kind of selling that one now. That's been a long time. We've done a few festivals with it, and uh, just it really sparks amazing conversations after. And then you see how it's not even just happening just in Chicago. It's happening in all the cities. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily the Chirac thing, but yeah. how you tear the project, you know, move people everywhere. And they moved people. They disrupted a lot of neighborhoods because they moved people into different neighborhoods where, you know, it was just drama. You know, because people right. aren't getting along with each other. Right. And that's been in St. Louis, New York, you know, all around the country. So okay. Yeah, even in other countries. Resonated. I'm sorry? In a few other countries it's happened, too. Oh, yeah, without question. Without question. Wow. Yeah. Hey, man, look. And the story, you said the whole story thing. Kenny Young to Arthur. Now, that came from left field with me. I did not know <laughs> you wrote a book. I'm <laughs> like, I just saw you at the book signing on Facebook. I'm like, you wrote a book? <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> this man does everything. What's the name of the the, the, the book, man? Let people know about it. Uh, my first book, yeah, my first book is called uh, Whoopings. My first, and it's just a it's a collection of short stories. It's a collection because uh, between writing scripts, I was like, man, I like to keep my writing. You know, it's like a muscle. It's like working out. If you don't work it out, it's gonna get soft. You gonna get out of shape. So right. I like to just keep challenging myself with different writing assignments. So I started writing short stories and kind of posting them on Facebook just to kind of get feedback and just trying to kind of keep myself sharp, putting stuff out there and was getting nice feedback from it. So I was like, wow, why don't I start collecting some of these and put them into a story? A friend of mine, Michelle, she was like, man, let's, we should, you know, just make a uh, collaboration of all these stories and then tied in. And I had written a story about whoopings about me and my brother getting a whooping as kids. And we said, that'd be a perfect title because all of these are lessons and you're supposed to, well, you're supposed to get whoopings to teach you a lesson. So he right. said, that'll be the theme that kind of ties the whole book together. And it's all about the fuck-ups and mistakes I made and shit, you know, uh, stories from childhood, or stories from out here in the industry, dealing with movie stars, dealing with, you know, everything that comes with it, Ronnie Ray, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that was very, uh, very fulfilling for me, man. And I was like, man, I knew I always wanted to write a book, but I didn't know what I wanted to write it on. So that was a great one to start with. But actually, man, I just finished my first novel. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, I just finished it. And I don't want to get it. I'm changing the title right now, but it's about a, a little kid. Well, actually, it spun off from when I was doing the documentary in Chicago, filming up around Inglewood. And I got a chance to meet a lot of little kids in the neighborhood. Right. And a lot of them were telling me their different stories. And man, I was like, man, this is fascinating. I think I found the subject or at least the subject matter for my next book. Mm. And it's about a little boy who lives in Inglewood who works as a, a hitman for the neighborhood drug dealer. Oh, wow. And he falls in, yeah, and he falls in love with a little girl in this neighborhood who's being abused by her uncle. And his whole goal is to raise enough money from these little hits he does to run away with her. (laughs) How old is this kid? Huh? How old is the kid? 11. He's 11. Oh, shit. 11. And the book is narrated by him. You know, he's telling the book. He's, He's narrating the book. And it just came from those kids I met listening to their speech pattern. Then I went and you know, kind of fictionalized things, but I was like, man, this is a real, you know, this is a real serious subject, and I kind of pictured it as like Yummy Sanifer. You remember the yeah. Yummy Sanifer story? Yeah. It's Yummy Sanifer meets Catcher in the Rye. 
Wow, that's dope. Killing, yeah. killing in them. Killing, I said killing in them. I didn't say it right. <laughs> killing, killing in them. them. <laughs> killing you in them. Vern. You went to Mount Vernon. That's <laughs> right. Mr. Furman, Mr. Jordan, y'all did a great job. Killing in them. <laughs> killing Yo, hey, man, Q&A and Ryan yeah. Ryan, Sean Williams. Pretty time he just popped back in the room. <laughs> he went to get some gas in his car or something. I don't know. Um, and my man, Kenny Young. Man, hey, last question, bro. Last question. At the end of your career, when it's all said and done, how would you like to be remembered? Um, man, it's someone that loves stories. It's a storyteller. I think that's the biggest biggest compliment. Um, and, and I just I think it's just a that's my contribution to the world because we all have to contribute something to this world. And I think my contribution to this world is stories that are meant to entertain, educate, and most importantly, to inspire, inspire you to go for do for what you you know. Go for your dreams. And don't just dream, you know, live it. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is a deep one. Man, man. I'm sitting there like, yeah, you're right, man. This hit my I'm soul. looking up to the heavens like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the ceiling fan like, you yeah. You see a man. fish forming in the clouds. You see the ladies dancing in the clouds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Felt like an old Prince video. When the Prince was, <laughs> when the cher- under the cherry moon at the end, he's at the heaven like, hey, can't you see? He said, under the cherry under moon. Under the cherry moon. <laughs> that was a terrible movie, by Shout the way. Shout out to Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> graffiti Bridge is even worse than that. <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I would probably never meet Prince And if I did I'd tell him like, Them movies were terrible <laughs> You should never direct again Keep making your damn music And making your pancakes And playing like basketball yeah. And playing great. basketball No it's all good man Appreciate you man That's Thanks for being real. on the show man it was nice oh, to meet man, you, man. Thank you for having me, man. I'm proud of you guys And man, keep shining Keep inspiring For sure, man That's Kenny Young Q&A running right Peace Much love Lucky Land Casino Asking people What's the weirdest place You've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess Aha In my dentist's office More than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car Before my kids PTA meeting Really? Yes Excuse me What's the weirdest place You've gotten lucky I never win and tell Well there you have it You can get lucky anywhere Playing at LuckyLandSlots.com Play for free right now Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary Void where prohibited by law 18 plus Terms and conditions apply See website for details